ultimately successful is being able to give some money to charitable causes such as the Malala Fund and hopefully being able to produce special editions uh, to support healthcare charities. So today's podcast episode is about building a business from scratch in retail and doing that as a GP and a mum of four and juggling life and everything else to go with it. Um, I've just interviewed Catherine Fernando, who is such a lovely, warm person, and she shares her story as to how she founded Ayasu, her luxury vegan bag, medical bag company, um, and all the challenges that came with it. Um, Part of that involved looking at pineapple skins. Yeah. (laughs) It's, It's incredible. It's really incredible. So if you're someone that's looking at developing something from scratch, Um, becoming an entrepreneur, getting into retail and fashion, then this episode is for you. But don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes uh, with us and also join our mailing list. And we're on a mission to connect 1 million doctors with the best and diverse careers. So go to medicfootprints.org forward slash join our mission. Woohoo! Now on to the episode. Let's face it, burnout amongst doctors is sky high and we're actively seeking other ways to make the most of our transferable skills beyond the usual career pathways. Welcome to Disrupting Doctors' Careers. I'm your host, Dr. Abena Bubbers-Jones, and I'm on a mission to connect one million doctors across the world with the best in diverse career opportunities. Welcome to this episode of Disrupting Doctors' Careers. I'm your host, Dr. Baylor Bubbles-Jones, and today we have Dr. Catherine Fernando with us. So I'll tell you a little story about how Catherine ended up here on this podcast. So as one does, I was on Facebook. I don't spend that much time on Facebook, but I was on Facebook, I admit, and I was looking at a forum. Actually, it was... Which forum was it? Do you remember? It could have been Mascara. Is it Mascara Medics? Are you in that no. one? No. Um, no. It uh, could have been bag. the breastfeeding. Huh? Oh, no, not the doctor. No. no. <laughs> Something to um, do with women. Something to do with women, probably. I can not, imagine. Maybe. Oh anyway. Oh, It was a <laughs> oh, Facebook no, I know group. what it was. Oh, which I one? Think it, was it Medics, Mums and Dads Buy and Sell group? It could have been because I, I am on that, that one. one. Yeah, I am on that one. Here we are advertising. It's a really good group, guys. You <laughs> buy stuff, by the way, but this is not what we're here about. But actually, this is about retail and selling stuff. So yeah. anyway, but I digress. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, so so Catherine basically announced that she'd launched her new products, which she'll tell us all about. And the reason why that was really interesting was because. There aren't that many times I come across doctors. I've seen thousands and thousands of doctors doing a whole variety of things, but not that many have actually gone into retail, like developing products, particularly for doctors, right? So, so Catherine has designed a fantastic item. She's going to tell us a little bit more about, but what I'm also really interested about is her general story. Like how did she decide to go from doctor mother to actually designing a really, really valuable item for her community friends and workforce of doctors. So um, she will tell us a little bit more about that. But anyway, 
Welcome. Welcome to this episode and thank you so much for joining our podcast. How are you today? I'm really good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here. And uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to tell you a little bit more about my business, um, which is Ayasu. Ayasu, yes. So so let let me start, let me take things back to how you got to Ayasu. So, um, you know, one of the things that stood out for me, especially when you signed on, as I mentioned, is that you're a mother of four, you're a GP, you're an entrepreneur, um, and yeah, you celebrate women in healthcare. So I really want to hear a little bit more about what makes you, you, and how this led to Ayasu. Okay. Um, well, yes, I, I am a mother of four and um, my youngest is seven and my eldest is 15. Um, I am also a GP and I've worked as a salary GP and a locum GP and a GP retainer. Um, GP wasn't actually my first choice of medical career. I was a trainee rheumatologist uh, before I decided to go into general practice. Um, and I've had lots and lots of experience in uh, hospital medicine and doing mm. my MRCP before that. Um, so actually, when I was a junior doctor, I was told that I might actually never have children. Um, oh. And that's, bec- that's because I had to have chemotherapy for mm. uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. So I was diagnosed with that when I was uh, just finishing off my uh, first year as a junior doctor, mm. uh, which was obviously a terrible that must shock. Have been a huge <laughs> shock. Like, how did how did you manage that? How did you deal with that? I mean, you've thrown it um, in like quite casually, oh, but I mean, like, it must it have was, been such a com- huge. It was actually really unexpected. Uh, yeah, of course. So, um, when I was a fourth year medical student, I remember in our ear, nose and throat block that one of the consultants used me as their patient to examine. And he said, oh, you've, you've actually got some um, palpable lymph nodes in one side mm. of your neck. And I was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, So they, they'd been there for quite some time, but we didn't take it any further at that stage. Mm. And... Uh, as a junior doctor, I was sitting in the mess one day. We used to get doctors' messes. They used yeah, to give us on yeah, call rooms yeah. and messes and everything, but I don't. I don't think they do anymore. So I was sitting chatting to one of the surgical trainees, and he said, "Look, if you're worried about it, we'll just take it out for you." So the next week, I was in theatre with one of the consultants that I'd worked for, who was taking out my lymph node. And uh, I think 14 days after that, we got the pathology report, and it was nodular sclerosing Hodgkin's lymphoma. Gosh, so that was uh, really horrific. Um, wow, well, it's, yeah, it's my... great that they. Well, it's great that you. Yeah, that it no, led it to is. That, um, you know, and I mean, you got I... on the list next week. I mean, that's that's yeah, that's totally. Because I wasn't, I wasn't actually unwell at all. I didn't have any weight loss or night sweats or itching. It was just the, the fact that it was, they, yeah, yeah, it was it was just like a persistent lymph node in one side mm-hmm. of my neck. And um, so I was, I was really well. I was full of energy. I was working so many hours a week as a junior doctor um but I I did have this uh and I think as a medical student you often imagine that you've got lots of things wrong with you but then you never do but then sadly I did so uh, that, that, that's that's as a doctor you imagine there's lots of things wrong with you and yeah, I have yeah, to yeah. To that. And everything <laughs> will go go wrong in any scenario whether it's planned or unplanned yeah 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, it does. You see that, mm-hmm. don't you? Everything yeah. happens to the doctors. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, so I started my treatment journey and I had uh, a couple of months of chemotherapy and a month of radiotherapy. But before the chemotherapy, I underwent some counselling. I was told that I might not have children. Um, I was asked if I wanted to freeze any eggs, uh, but that was going to delay my treatment. And at that stage, because I'm obviously so old, their treatment was (laughs) just experimental. (laughs) So I decided, no, let's just cure the cancer. We don't want to be mucking around with anything. We're just going to live now and worry about the rest later. So um, so we did all that and I went back to work four months later and carried on so <laughs> wearing, wearing lots of wigs actually uh, because mm. I didn't have any hair but I had some fantastic wigs and I've never had so many compliments about my hairdos um, <laughs> but I think the pa- patients got a bit confused because I used to change them every day. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. But anyway, there's a really happy ending to that story because I'm still well and healthy 20 years later and uh, just getting on with life and my career and finding lots of other things to keep me busy. <laughs> wow, thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, what have I taken from the story? I, I, I'm actually just like developing an image of you as resilient you managed to get through some really, really tough challenges. I mean, like, and also, you know, changing careers as part of that. I know it's not the same as the Hodgkins, but, you know, you glossed over going from rheumatology to GP. Um, you know, that in, in itself, I see that as like a big life choice or move, especially when you've committed part of your career to a specialty. What what actually led to you to move? Um. Well, I think it was a few factors. I I mean, I used to be incredibly ambitious uh, career-wise. So I I was the one who wanted to be a consultant by the time I was 29. Um, And then as I I grew up a little bit, I think uh, priorities started to change. Um, I, I had initially trained in rheumatology and general medicine, and then I moved to a different town uh, to be closer where my um, fiance worked and I had to drop the general medicine and then I I didn't find there was as much variety um my previous placement I I awarded on everything we never discharged any patients we just had complete continuity of care if they were sick we'd look after them on our ward we'd put the central lines in ourselves we would we were there for them the whole time and whereas when I was just doing single accredited rheumatology it, it wasn't like that it's like someone phoned me and say can you come and review this gout and I think I'm not that excited <laughs> just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it, it wasn't me I just kind of lost my my personality and my love for it and decided that that wasn't my niche so I did some interviews and managed to get into a one-year uh, general practice training scheme because I'd already done lots and lots of medicine so I just needed to do some uh, gynecology and paediatrics mm, so mm-hmm. that that seems to suit me a lot better. Great so so um, I, I completely understand that and obviously GP does open up doors to a whole variety of different things and as someone who is incredibly ambitious I'm not surprised that you now now I know a little bit more about you that you you've you've gone and founded Iasu. But could you tell me a little bit more about how and why and what does Iasu stand for? <laughs> 
Sure, absolutely. Um, so ayasu is a Japanese word and it means to heal. Uh, and the symbol that we chose for ayasu is an iris flower. And the iris flower represents faith, hope and wisdom, which I thought were very suitable qualities for uh, med medics. The reason I found Dayasi was really just circumstantial. I was looking for a new doctor's bag for myself and I just noticed that everything on the market was really masculine, that the, mm. the shapes were masculine. A lot of them just um, are the, the Gladstone bag, which was invented in the 19th century when only men were permitted. Is that to the black university. leather thing? Yeah, that kind of black leather, brown leather. Yeah, that just opens, opens yeah. up. Um, <laughs> so, so it was, it was invented when, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was invented before women were allowed to practice medicine. Uh, so we were allowed to have a job, I'm sure. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> and, and, and even once they were allowed to be doctors when they got married or when they got pregnant, they were asked to leave the profession. So I just thought over the past 150 years that <sighs> they did something should have changed, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because there's now more um, female medical students than male medical students, and particularly if you look at the world of general practice, then it is becoming predominantly a female, actually, um, mm -hmm. which, you know, has, has its own issues, etc. But um, I wanted to show that um, we, we are a wonderful part of the medical workforce and I wanted a bag that reflected our uh, personality and our style but that was also really functional for the job that we wanted to do so I made sure that they had all the pockets in them to hold the medical let, let equipment that we carry. Let me just step in a little bit sure. because actually you've, you've really highlighted some really important points especially like for doctors who are or, or look, or considering becoming entrepreneurs, but people don't say, "Oh, I want to become an entrepreneur." Usually, they are in the mid; they they are experiencing a problem, or they can see a problem, and they're trying to identify what the best solution would be for it. All right. So, in your case, you recognise that as a GP, there wasn't um, a a bag that really reflected you. <laughs> And yeah. your needs as a woman, as a doctor, and that was actually kind of recently designed, considering this has been 150 years old. And interestingly enough, as you've identified that you're not the only one this affects, this affects all women doctors or even male doctors I'm sure because this bag is not yeah, a good bag absolutely. to be carrying around from an, from an ergonomic <laughs> perspective says the occupational health doctor but yeah so so you you've identified there's a problem you've explored various solutions and designing something that would be suited to you because it's always you in the middle of this but also the individual or, or a target market, which for you is women in particular. And also I note that these bags are vegan friendly, right? So why was that an important part of the design? Well, um, I thought long and hard about all the different qualities that I, I wanted to bring to this business. And the first of them was, you know, the super, superficial aspect of it is that I, I didn't like the style. And although I've never been really into you know top designer brands or anything I, I, I do like fashion and I, I think a lot of women do care about that and want to look nice so the first of it was was to 
look good to be a lovely bag that you wanted to have um second was function but third I started to think about the the choices that we need to make in our world today and a lot of people are very very concerned about the environment and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't contributing to um more pollution just just for the sake of business and for making money so thinking about the materials involved in these bags was was really really important to me um so our bags are made predominantly from recycled plastic bottles that would otherwise go into landfill or uh, go into the oceans mm. and they're, they're also made of vegan leather um they I did look into a lot into different types of vegan leather and I originally wanted to make them entirely from plant-based vegan leather and there are some really really interesting um aspects of of that uh certain you know material engineering there's there's one which is called Pinatex which is made entirely from pineapples uh, so that's that's actually the way I wanted to go <laughs> But sadly, when we got the Pinatex samples, they were looking a little bit like elephant skin, um, right. and and there were practical issues. Like you had to wax them every mm. three months, and oh I gosh. thought I don't think That's anybody could really be, be bothered but with I mean, that. Actually, that. That leads to another so, question because you know, there's the there's the idea, and there's actually getting started and doing it. So, mm-hmm. in order to realise the basics of your idea, what was one of the first few steps that you took to actually get going, and then start so, looking at pineapples? Pineapple <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 definitely came a little bit later. Yeah. Um. So so the first thing I did was I just started drawing some sketches of the bags that I wanted and and the internal uh, mm-hmm. views of them, and then I went along to Business Gateway, which mm-hmm. I think is an organisation which is throughout the UK, and I pitched my idea to one of the advisors there who liked it <laughs> so that gave me a little bit of encouragement and confidence and he actually referred me to a Scottish enterprise who were able to provide a small amount of funding to send me to somebody who could advise on uh, innovation expert support and that was a that was a really really great formative process to go through because they looked at everything that as uh, you know, somebody who's in, say, Dragon's Den would look at for you when they're yeah. considering a, a business proposal. And they looked at all, all sorts of things that I hadn't researched properly, which which was incredibly good. So, the, I mean, the first thing was the name, because my my bags weren't called Ayasu at that point. My bags were called Missy Doc, and uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> with, with some um, hideous pink logo that I had designed myself with the Y as a stethoscope and the O as the bell of the of the stethoscope and they're just like no no this is horrific um we think that the overall idea is is really good but you know the branding (laughs) yes (laughs) branding definitely Yeah. yeah yeah um and there's you know there's lots of things I didn't know about this um uh, intellectual property protection so they were able to steer me in that direction and and uh, advise which attorney to have an appointment with and they do an intellectual property review of your whole brand uh, and the name comes in to that a lot because you've got to set up a watch service to make sure that other companies aren't copying you or naming uh, their, their products the same as your brand etc so uh, it was it was actually a completely unknown field for me I think although I've 
being creative I was made to do a level physics instead of <laughs> instead of art because I wanted to do medicine mm-hmm. so this wonderful idea I thought I had actually turned into I mean I still think it's a wonderful idea but there were lots and lots and lots of uh, practical considerations that I mm. needed ex- expert advice to steer me towards to make sure that it, it became uh, a well thought out business. That that's really incredible, and I really appreciate all the steps that you had to take to get to where you are now. I mean, you've literally scratched the surface. I'm pretty sure, but you know, it is the tenacity and getting the right kind of support and advice that's gotten you to where you are now. So, I mean, you you've already talked, you've already covered a bit of this, which was like looking at the actual um, materials that you're going to use to design to to actually make the bags. Um, do you have any other insights? about any other challenges that you faced in designing and launching your product? Well, uh, after trying to design the bags myself based on sketches, I quickly realised that I didn't have a fashion degree. And <laughs> I... <laughs> My question is, do you, did you need a fashion degree to do well, what you were um, doing. You, de- you definitely don't, but you probably do need someone it's who helps one. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. recognizing it, uh, who you need on your team. Because I don't do want, I don't want those doctors going out and doing a fashion degree before they then start. <laughs> because they will. No, they will. They don't need to, oh, I know. I'm, well, absolutely, they have the ability to do that. But yeah, um, yeah. I, I found somebody in the UK who is a designer who had 30 years of experience and had worked with worldwide brands like Sweaty Betty and Mountain Warehouse. And oh, awesome. They uh, were used to making bags that were fashionable, uh, mostly mostly sporty fashionable. Uh, this is a little bit different to that, but, but uh, most importantly, functional. And they had the experience of working with manufacturers and advising about materials and things. So I, I didn't need my fashion degree. I just needed the, the vision. And it's, you know, obviously useful that I was a target market and I knew what, what I wanted. And hopefully that reflected what lots of other people who are in, in my profession wanted to. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. And so, so where are you now with IASU? So when did you first launch it? Uh, so we actually just launched in March. Um, and oh my god, was it March? Was that yeah, when you posted? Yeah. Oh <laughs> awesome. I really got in there, didn't yes. I? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. That was me just launching nice. after um quite a number of years of, of planning actually. And uh, how the, long? The how long would you say that took? I'd say it took me four years. From idea to launch. From yes. Yes. Wow. And wow. I thought it would be a lot, lot quicker than that. Um, but there were delays with designs and we had to do multiple samples uh, to, to refine the products. And COVID came in the middle of it. So I was, um, yeah. you know, trying to work and homeschool for children in primary school who were all at different levels oh of primary gosh. school. And were you my, working? Yeah, I was working. Oh, as my GP. gosh. And then um, my mum, uh, she well, she's got Alzheimer's, so and I'm an only child, so I had to move her out of her house. Oh and my uh, gosh. she, I was going to move her into sheltered housing near me, but unfortunately, uh, she she couldn't go there because she she just didn't have the functional capacity to do that. So uh, she's ended up living with us, and uh, yeah, just you know, life is really life really busy. <laughs> yeah, life stuff. <laughs> 
Wow. Yeah. So, so what kept you pushing forward with this? Because a lot of people would be like, oh, can't, don't have time, not doing it, I, not a big deal. Um, I, I probably, I, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't have done it without my husband. He's, mm. he's been incredibly enthusiastic and encouraging. I, I think I would have probably stopped quite a long time ago if I didn't have that other person who believed in me. Mm. And I also think it's because Business Gateway directed me to some funding. And because I had taken that funding and used it, I thought, well, if I don't do this now, then that's a waste of this money and somebody sure. else could have could have had that so um and and then you get so far in that, that if you stop then you lose everything and yeah you've just got to have that resilience just to to keep pushing till till you get there um but Great. yeah it's not it's not easy but it's no. um it's it's a wonderful place when you are at the point where you do have all the resources and and you can say that you own this and you're really proud that this is this is you know this is my own business and that I have done this and named all the bags after inspirational women in medicine and told their story so and I'm really hoping if it's uh, successful to give five percent of the products to the Malala Mm. fund to help support girls education Mm -hmm. because I'm you know really passionate about education and empowering women so I think that'd be Great so, to so what what does successful look like to you Catherine um successful I think is well it's a lot about female empowerment it's obviously that I don't make a loss I think even just <laughs> selling my first batch of bags that I've ordered would be successful for me ultimately successful is being able to give some money to charitable causes such as the Malala Fund and hopefully being able to produce special editions uh, to support healthcare charities mm-hmm. so for example do red bag for HIV yellow for say Marie Curie cancer all the colours that you associate with the charities I feel they could be put into designer bags and a percentage of those profits could go directly to that healthcare charity so Nice. That's what I would like to do long term, yeah. Great, great. And so um, what advice would you share for doctors who are venturing into retail alongside clinical practice? Like what kind of insights would you yeah. give them? Well, I... Or encouragement I, or discouragement? <laughs> <laughs> all, of, all of it. And um, I thought I could do all this as well as be a doctor, but I actually had to stop being a doctor for a year. I've not I've not given up, but I was just doing too much. I was trying to do a diploma in dermatology with Cardiff University. And being me, I didn't want to just pass that diploma. I want to get distinction in that diploma. And I wanted to launch a business and look after four children and support my mum who's got Alzheimer's. <laughs> and so um so it was actually my husband again he said no something's something's got to go you've got to really really focus on this and he was absolutely right but I I, I did love my job in general practice and I, I wasn't feeling burnt out or discouraged or anything like that I, I was actually found it really really satisfying and fulfilling and I was bawling my eyes out when I handed my resignation in mm. um but it was it was definitely something I had to do I had to focus entirely on this business it's um it's a lot of work you've got to give your full commitment to it 
And what I didn't realise was that it's not just your product that you've got to put out there, you've got to put yourself out there too. Mm -hmm. And I keep getting told people buy from the person behind the brand, not just the brand. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you do put yourself out there, then obviously you're going to be vulnerable to criticism. Mm-hmm. so when I got like a small article in the local paper then you kind of read the comments and some of them are really really nice and then some of them are pretty horrible so there was this guy he didn't know me or anything but he's like oh GPs you're not just lazy but you're incompetent and clearly you used your time well d- during lockdown you were you know working on handbags instead of trying to save people's lives and do you think that really hurts like I was not I was actually I was actually working hard in my practice I was home teaching four kids on my days off I was studying for a diploma in dermatology I was trying to get a shopping slot for my mum's shopping when she was living at home it was you know it was awful but then you know you, you get you get people that that are gonna hate so it's hard isn't it because you know I know I know how I would feel reading something like that and seeing something like that and you know these people they've got their own issues but still after all the work and the sacrifice and the vulnerability and the putting us off out there that people are still literally have just don't have a clue as to what you're going through and actually invest (laughs) some time in writing really awful comments about other people they just don't know I mean what is what is going on in this world you You just got to it is it does hurt at the time I have to say that one pierced me right through the heart but yeah um, I I didn't respond to it uh, but luckily some nice people did and they're like you should go and see your GP about that chip yeah ironically (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's the reason why he was so uh yeah yeah so it was good but um, (laughs) I'm actually going back to my practice in June oh right so you're going back so it sounded sounded like you're gonna close the door forever but actually it was just you were taking a sabbatical to work on your business yeah I was just taking a year out so I was taking 15 months out and um somebody somebody's going on maternity leave for a year so I'm gonna go back and do two days a week for the next year and go back to that plus try and run a business on the sidelines so oh we'll, good luck I mean we'll I, I can see. speak personally for <laughs> doing both it's not pretty it's not pretty I'm at sure. all and definitely mm-hmm. does or can lead but most likely will lead to burnout if you're doing okay. both and it's quite difficult mm-hmm. to do both really well with your, your full self I have to I say totally you know, running that. being an occupational health doctor running medic footprints mm-hmm being a mother as well and being a wife and being everything else you are in your life it is not easy when you've got business in the mix because you can't switch off it's very difficult to be like oh I'm finished I'm going home now because it is your other child like I know. unless you decide I... to you know but if you're a <laughs> child that needs nurturing and needs your full attention I totally understand I'm just not ready to entirely stop being a doctor and if I don't go back now uh, then I'm not going to be able to go back unless I do like a retraining program because I've had uh, 15 months off and I've had my appraisal they've said you've got to go and do minimum number of sessions otherwise that's that's it all over so it's just I didn't leave it in the right way so I need need to go back and yeah 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 I mean it's just more of a caution for doctors who are listening just to really understand the realities of 
being a doctor or doctorpreneur in that way. Yes. Um, yes. I think your your insights and your passion and your commitment to 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 being a woman, ambitious woman to healthcare, but also to medicine is just phenomenal. And I know that this is only, I say the beginning, but it probably is just the beginning. And I can't wait to see what happens next with your brand and with you, most importantly. And (laughs) uh, yeah, I mean, actually, because I was thinking this because I was doing um, a clinic at a local, so occupational medicine, guys. Um, So I was doing kind of medicals and management referrals and I needed a bag that held mainly my laptop and I just couldn't really find anything that was like, and there are a few, a few medical stuff, but I couldn't really find anything that was like nice to carry. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, like, yeah. I so... can get you a bag. <laughs> yeah, well, clearly. Definitely. Nice. Yeah, all, all of mine hold laptops and they're all beautiful. Nice, <laughs> nice. Well, before we finish, please tell our audience, A, where to get your bag and B, how to reach out to you. Okay, so um, my website is ayasubags.com and you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, any of the Facebook groups that we've mentioned <laughs> in our little yeah. advertising summary earlier. On, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for your time, Catherine, and wishing thank you, you all the best with the days and years and decades moving forward as a doctorpreneur. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. You're welcome. <laughs>